0: Hello and welcome. This is Ron Cohen. I'm a tax partner with the firm of Greenstein, Rogoff, Olson & Company, and this is our weekly tax update. Uh, first, I apologize because uh, the COVID got me, and I've been uh, pretty much up and down for the last week and a half, but uh, thankfully my, my uh, little COVID test from the CVS pharmacy says I'm negative now, uh, and I'll do my best. So um, to this week, we're going to go through the Inflation Reduction Act that was first passed by the Senate, and then a couple of days ago, passed by the House, and it's on the way to President Biden for signing very soon. Um, things are, today is August 15th, 2022. Always keep that in mind because things change so quickly. Uh, those dates are really important. And uh, as I go through the Inflation Reduction Act, I want to point out that there's been a big change with the uh, an excise tax imposed on stock buybacks. I've been following this issue for 20-plus years. I've been following it back to Ronald Reagan, and uh, this is an interesting approach that they've taken and uh, maybe not completely understood yet by um, many of the corporations involved. Okay, so... Just uh, again, in terms of uh, introduction here, the from the sausage machine standpoint of how bills get passed, the Senate passed the bill 51 to 50 with Vice President Kamala Harris putting in the tiebreaker vote. You don't often see that. That's, that's pretty rare, but that's how they got it through the Senate. Uh, in the House, uh, it was passed 220 votes to 207. All the Democrats voted for it and all the Republicans voted against it. Uh, there's normally, um, uh, uh, so passed by seven votes. There's normally 435 people in the house of representatives, but there's a few vacant seats, so all that math doesn't work out quite right, but it's, it's certainly passed by seven votes. All right. So a few caveats before we dig down into more of the details. Uh, some of this will get uh, first of all, some of this will get a little granular and uh, detailed. So I apologize for that. Everything's in the show notes. Uh, so you can go look it up yourself. Uh, but here we are in beautiful downtown Fremont, California, where our office is. I want to point out, you should take no reliance on anything you hear in this podcast in order to get an opinion from my firm or me. You have to, uh, become a client, sign an engagement letter, give us all the facts, all the contracts, uh, talk with us a bit, have us do some research, and then we give you an opinion that you can rely on. Secondly, uh, plagiarism is okay in this field. Uh, yeah, uh, In the tax world, uh, we're always obviously plagiarizing from the Internal Revenue Code and regulations and various court cases and and then there's lots of CPAs and lawyers, uh, writing beautiful articles, trying to get famous where they have an interesting observation. Everybody copies everybody. It's, uh, it's okay. And, uh, don't, uh, well, I am uh, giving the caveat that don't assume that anything you hear here is an original thought, although maybe I have a few original opinions along the way. In terms of opinions, we're going to try to stay out of national politics. There's, uh, you can listen to podcasts on that all day and night if you want to. On uh, uh, the tax world, uh, since since tax law is legislation, of course there's some politics involved, and I feel free to comment on that because that's how the laws got to be where they are. Um, yeah. Our office does about oh thirteen fourteen hundred tax returns a year. We do tax planning. We also specialize in family office services for very wealthy families with. Uh, far-flunged entities, and lots of administrative needs and helps. so we, uh, we certainly help out in that area. I am also no cheerleader for this tax system. Absolutely not. I uh, view it as part of a technocratic administrative state that uh, the U.S. could do without. I've explained on various podcasts how other countries handle their taxes in a more uh, friendly manner, especially for people of middle and lower income. And uh, it's overbearing. Our system is uh, an evasion of privacy. to ask too many questions in order to figure out whether you can take your home mortgage deduction. You have to look at a 12-step flow chart. Completely unnecessary. Could have been a more elegant, effective way to do it. I would think they should uh, keep how the tax base is computed as is. As is. Stop monkeying around with it. You know, if you want more taxes, increase the tax rate but leave the base, the how, how the forms compute the taxable income, leave that alone so we always don't have to continually study and update and learn. Uh, I compare it sometimes to like a, a doctor. You know, a doctor, while certainly things change in the medical uh, field often, but uh, still, you know, if you got a broken arm, it's a broken arm. Right? It may be different ways of treating a broken arm, different little complications and so forth, But the arm doesn't become a leg. Well, here in the tax world, you can have a new law passed and now the arm is suddenly not an arm, it's a leg with fingers. And it's uh, 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 not good for the country, not good. All right, we always try to get an A-plus on all tax returns. Even though I'm no cheerleader for the system, we do the best we can, try to get all the facts straight, try to get the returns as uh, perfect as possible. The best way to avoid a tax audit is file a really, really good return with lots of good disclosures, so the uh, examiners, when they review it before an audit starts, they they say, "Well, this looks pretty complete. Let's go bother someone else." Uh, so we always try to get an A plus as best we can on all returns—not a B, not a B minus, not a C, A plus. Should also take a look at Alan Olson's, our managing partner here at Greenstein Rogoff Olson Company, his podcast "American Dreams," where he reviews with a number of. Uh, Uh, serial entrepreneurs and very interesting people, their life, and how they worked through it and got where they are. Our website is www.groco.com. All this is in the show notes. Our phone number is 510-797-8661. I'm at extension 237. We have four partners. Uh, We're all happy to talk to new clients. I talk to people for free probably more than I should to see if we can help each other, and uh, make sense for us to have a professional relationship. Our office is about 12 miles north of San Jose and 35 miles uh, southeast of San Francisco. And so with those caveats out of the way and some introduction, let's get into it. Okay. So the Inflation Reduction Act, and again, excuse my voice. I'm uh, just coming on the tail end of uh, COVID. But I'll uh, power through here. Um, we put in the show notes, uh, hat, hat tip and acknowledgement to Deloitte. Uh, they, uh, with their team of writers and authors and uh, investigators, have put in a nice summary. The link is right there in our show notes. I put in the entire text of the bill, if you'd like to read that. And also a, a good uh, link to a summary to the Tax Foundation, who's a highly regarded, impartial, non political reviewer of the bill, and they do a bunch of uh, scoring and and analysis. Uh, so I always like to look at them. I, I, I will point out, again, not to take sides, uh, that um, uh, the Tax Foundation wrote the following. To the extent the revenue raisers are seen as long-lasting sources of revenue, the bill reduces inflation, but projected revenues are not certain and may be less than we are forecasting. For example, The history of the corporate alternative minimum tax indicates the book minimum tax may be a diminishing source of revenue. That's because tax lawyers and accountants find, uh, understand it better over time, find ways, legal, legal ways to work around it, uh, by increasing spending, the tax bill worsens inflation, especially in the first four years, as the revenue raisers take time to ramp up and the deficit increases. We find that budget deficits would increase between 2023 and 2026, potentially worsening inflation. Again, that's the uh, Nonpartisan Tax Foundation. You can take a look at that. I'm just going to the heart of the matter of, well, it's called the Inflation Reduction Act. Is it? Is it? Uh, you've, uh, you've heard me describe in the prior weeks. Uh, I have some doubts, but let's not uh, get too political. And uh, let's uh, dive in. Okay. The Inflation Reduction Act cleared the Senate with a 51 to 50 vote on August 7th to approve the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, the roughly $740 billion budget reconciliation package that includes some targeted corporate tax increases, a large increase in funding for the Internal Revenue Service, incentives to promote Um, climate change mitigation and clean energy, and provisions to promote health care affordability. Passage came along strict party lines with all 50 of the chamber's uh, Senate uh, Democrats voting uh, for it and all 50 Republicans in opposition of Vice President Kamala Harris broke the tie, as they're allowed to do. She is or the vice president is in the Senate. Turning over to the House there, the House gave final approval a few days ago. I believe it was Friday or Saturday. Its provisions are estimated to raise $737 billion over 10 years. Democrats say the bill will reduce the deficit by more than $300 billion, citing an analysis from the nonpartisan congressional tax and budget offices. I do want to make a comment here that this is the problem. You get into dueling, dueling banjos, dueling analysis from... Various groups, they all call themselves nonpartisan, and um, you get vastly, vastly different numbers about what the bill is projected to do because you have an economy that's like $17 trillion a year. I believe our economy is gross, and you try to take a tax law change and on your laptop figure out what you think that will do in the real world in terms of raising money. It's, it's a hard, hard thing to do. The plan includes a record $369 in spending on climate and energy policies projected to slash the country's carbon emissions by roughly 40% by the year 2030. Well, again, another assumption. That's not even money. That's talking about carbon emissions. And I'll just leave it at that because uh, I wouldn't even know how to begin to start to calculate what carbon emissions might be. It also allocates $64 billion to the Extend to extend an Affordable Care Act program to reduce insurance costs. Um, I want to note that uh, saw a news report where Senator B- Bernie Sanders, after the Senate approved this bill, uh, got up on the floor of the Senate and uh, and was uh, very remorseful in that he said, "Well, I'm I'm just I'm just reading what uh, what a report I just got according to Senator Sanders and saying this." This Congressional Budget Office reported that that uh, it will have no impact on inflation in year one or year two. So right from uh, that's a far left, uh, right, uh, 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 independent uh, 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 Bernie Sanders caucuses with the Democrats. Basically, considers himself a Democrat, even though he's an independent under the legal rules in the state of Vermont. Uh, certainly, a very very progressive uh, person, and has been pushing this bill strongly yet right after passage says oh by the way uh i don't think we did what we wanted to do because he had to honestly say uh the report he had in his hand showed no reduction in inflation but okay i'm not taking sides just reporting what i saw and heard um the problem the problem is with this whole area is that any projection projection by any budget office has a sad sad history of being over 100% off and always costing more, never less, always more, never less. Or if you're talking about a revenue raiser, it's always less revenue, never more, never. And no one ever goes back and says, gee, you know, uh, this, this bill that uh, we voted on that would we thought it would cost oh, $50 billion, it cost $300 billion. Nobody ever goes back and says, that was really bad. We, we got a bad projection. Uh, we wouldn't have taken this action uh, if we knew what the real outcome would be. Uh, granted, it's hard to know because the co- the, co- the economy is so complex. But I will comment that in my experience, uh, nobody has a big meeting in the House of the Senate and says, hey, we were 300% off. You know, we thought that would cost $100 billion and it's $300 billion. Do we want to change it? No, those conversations never happen. In fact, the uh, excess cost to the government just floats away in the air, like a, like a puffy cloud. It floats away. It gets added to the deficit and it's a uh, cost on you and me and our children and great, 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 great grandchildren. It's one of my favorite little stories. I like to tell that, uh, because I've looked at this in great detail over the years, if you go and, uh, really research it, uh, in the federal deficit, uh, uh, uh uh not, not the current year deficit but the accumulated debt there's some 35 trillion in treasury bonds out there and that only is scratching the surface of, of all the contractual obligations the federal government had if it was a public company and it would have to record these liabilities on the balance sheet there's a really bad accounting rule and i blame my own brother and my own cpa profession for letting it happen that uh If uh, a liability is not near term on a government financial statement, they don't have to record the liability. So you owe somebody $3 trillion, but it's five years out. So they may disclose it a bit in a footnote, but they don't have to put on the balance sheet that there's a $5 trillion liability coming due. Uh, So anyway, uh, uh, that's again, the, the gas rules, generally accepted accounting standards, I think are wholly deficient. By not making the federal government and the state governments generally have to balance their budgets, so they can go bankrupt effectively, uh, not technically, but effectively. Uh, but federal government does it. So when when you can't go bankrupt, you need super super strict reporting requirements to make sure all those liabilities are sitting right there on the balance sheet for everyone to see. Well, GAS rules, uh, generally accepted account uh, government accounting standards, uh, don't require the liabilities to be on the balance sheet. So th- this whole thing is a broken system because the bills are passed. The costs are many hundreds of times more than what we're estimated. Uh, the, the deficit just, the, the 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 difference, you know, the additional money just gets added to the national debt that goes to our children and grandchildren or we'll end up in a national default someday. And I will keep on going because that is uh, a house of horrors, which could be a whole show in itself, okay. So, uh, continuing on. So, what changed and what hasn't changed? Okay, the measure as approved follows the contours of the proposal that was unveiled with uh, Majority uh, Leader Charles Schumer, Democrat of New York, and Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, on July 27. It has also incorporated some significant modifications at the behest of Arizona Democrat Senator Kristen Cinema who had expressed reservations on specific revenue pr- provisions in the original version and whose support was essential to getting the package through uh, on an evenly divided Senate. I mean, it's just so bad for our country to have bills pass 50-50, uh, just, you know, on a one-vote difference, in this case, the, the vice president breaking the tie. Even whether, uh, I'm not saying whether the bill's good or whether they bad, it's just not good for things to pass by one vote. Okay, but it did. So continuing on here, um, there, the the uh, those changes included that uh, that they they narrowed a prov- proposed book minimum tax on certain corporations. I talked about how oh, now we're going to have to compute a minimum tax for corporations with over a billion dollars in taxable uh, income or book income. Uh, we you know Gap you <laughs> so you you take five CPAs uh, and big firms take Price Waterhouse, Ernst Young. KPMG, you you have them go, you have them do the same audit on the same company with the same documentation, you're going to get different gap results. You're going to get different financial statements. Maybe not too much different, but they will be different. So, okay, well, so who does, who's to say what the proper gap number is? But this is what our politicians do. They say, well, let's just leverage off that certified financial statement filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Well, well, the GAAP financial statement may have been wrong. Uh, uh, happens all the time. Restatements happen uh, uh, and and peer review adjustments come up. So uh, sometimes uh, 18, 20% of financial statements end up in some kind of restatement mode. Okay, well, all right, you'll have to go back and amend returns. Anyway, so it's always dangerous. Uh, for years, we've created taxable income under the tax law. Now we're com- com- using a minimum tax calculation, keying off the generally accepted accounting principles, the SEC Securities and Exchange Commission financial statement, another set of variables, another set of moving targets, right? That uh, that uh, it's going it's to be problems from an administrative standpoint, how to get this computed. And um, um, so uh, uh, then, you know, in... in <laughs> In passing this bill, uh, Senator Sinema said, well, I, I I want to put in this rule. You know, obviously what happened was one of her constituents or somebody in the U.S., Since she's the pivot point on this bill, they called her off and said, did you know that in this fact pattern with uh, the companies laid out here, how these numbers roll up, and the, that, that this result will happen, and that's bad for us, and that's really unfair? they go and look at it, and uh, they come say, "Oh, well, let's help this guy out because uh, this, that's right. And, and of course, if it applies to this one person, it might apply to 100 people or thousand people, or 10,000 people. So then now they're already monkeying around and saying, "Well, let's not just look at let's not just look at your SEC book income, let's modify it." Okay, so now there'll be another checklist. With Here's all the modifications to get to your book income subject to the minimum tax at 15%. Now, uh, uh, let me read these uh, these four things, and then I want to come back to this point. Uh, There's going to be scrapping a provision that would have tightened the current law rules governing the treatment of carried interests, right? So it's a three-year holding period. They wanted to make it up to five. And um, I want to come back to the former point, but I want to say carried interest. Uh, here it is, Christa, Kristen Cinema, senator from Arizona. Uh, again, she ended up being the pivot point on whether the bill passes or not. And um, uh, this constituents from all over the country, uh, uh, it is a lot of money, this carried interest provision, especially if you make a holding period, you know, two years more. Uh, in order to get the lower tax rate and she probably at the suggestion of uh senator lead uh chuck schumer she took it on and uh uh, uh, uh not only th- 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 as i mentioned in the prior weeks for years the whole thing is let's get rid of the carried interest it's an unfair advantage for hedge fund managers and people in the in the middle of venture capital deals now, uh, I, I don't feel that way. I, I feel there's good reasons for the carried interest. But uh, her party certainly has endlessly made the argument that they should get rid of the entire carried interest. And now not only did they not get rid of the carried interest, they didn't expand the carried interest from a three-year holding period to a five-year holding period. So where, they, they, where they're coming from, from a policy standpoint, is confusing. Because they uh, left it alone. Um, and and this is not uncommon. Uh, Chuck Schumer, uh, uh, about ten years ago, after screaming and yelling that the how the carried interest was a uh, provision was unfair, uh, got phone calls from all of his constituents in New York City and then came in and killed the bill that he had put in to kill the carried interest. So he reversed himself under pressure, and um, I guess that's just politics. Okay. Um, so, uh, they're adding a 1% excise tax on corporate stock buybacks. Everybody listen up. If you're a big C corporation, this is a big deal. This changes years and years and years of policy and adding an extension to the excess business loss rules. Uh, the, the, uh, business loss rules was, uh, something that I did not like from the Trump provisions. Uh, listen, if you have losses, you should get the benefit of the losses. Losses are harsh, right? You lost money. You uh, you spent money, hard dollar bills, right, uh, or, or electronic money. And uh, in order to make some of these numbers work, there are these provisions into, well, your loss isn't as important as my loss. And so here's a whole other number crunch you've got to fill out a form with 20 lines on it where it says well you're I'm going to limit your loss because you're too big see you're too successful we're going to limit your loss so uh that was due to expire and uh, they extended it okay so i wanted to come back a little bit um, and and i and i was i was going through mentioning how uh, uh the point i wanted to make i'm sorry i'm being a little uh, repetitive here is that you're now going to make us have to key off of book SEC income for the alternative minimum tax as I'll go through it a bit. And then you're going to have to remember some modifications, right? So it isn't just pull the number off the financial statement. It's pull the number off the financial statement and know that there's limitation and I will bet everybody five bucks that, uh, uh, uh if there's one modification now, there'll be 10 modifications in five years that's what they do tweak it tweak it tweak it tweak it and uh in response to people's complaining or or uh additional revenue needs again from a model of why don't we just leave the tax base alone just leave it alone if you need more money change the rate increase the tax rate if you don't need as much money decrease the tax rate but this constant churning of how you figure the tax base it uh, uh, does nobody any good. It doesn't do us as CPAs or tax lawyers any good to have to have more complexity. It does, certainly doesn't do the client any good. And it doesn't even do auditors any good. Because I can tell you, I can tell you, I've been through a bunch of tax audits for clients. And um, uh, all they do is cherry pick, right? They they they, they they, they, have the same problem we do, making sure they understand all these complex provisions that these 28-year-old super 150 IQ tax writers come up with and put into these tax laws and so in a tax audit generally what they do is they look through the returns they find two or three things that really look interesting and that they can quickly find the taxpayer made a mistake and assess them uh they 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 just can't they can't do it sorry i'm gonna go through a little bit of a long story so i can talk about this because it was all public information but Uh, Pricewaterhouse back in the 90s had a a system called ITMIS, International Tax Management System. And it's because you need these massive database number crunching systems in order to do foreign tax credit calculations. It got so bad that the IRS sued Pricewaterhouse said we need you to give us your tax software because in the context of an audit, When we come up with an adjustment on a foreign tax credit, you, Pricewaterhouse, can go back to your office, crunch the numbers, get a beautiful report, and say, here's the impact of this adjustment the IRS proposes. We can't do it. We go back to our office, and it's going to take us three months. We have to crank some things out by hand on green pieces of paper or Excel spreadsheets. We can't do it. So we need your software To help us compute the liability for the taxpayer, we're auditing of you. (laughs) And we're in an adversarial relationship at this moment. You know, when you're in an audit, it's like dealing with a policeman. They have huge powers and you have to answer things quickly. So clients more than willing to give all the data to the IRS, but they're arguing about computing power. And, of course, the client says, look, we didn't pass these laws. You did. We just went and hired a good firm. That uh, made the investment into the software, but isn't this all terrible? It's all terrible. And I hate to see things expand and become more in that vein of of it's almost it's impossible to deal with it, right? And so when you ha- use booking minimum tax income for a number, and then you start putting modification number one, number two, number three, you're off to another ITMIS system, right? You're going to have another high powered software program. And uh, it's just very sad. It's very sad. All it leads to is confusion. All right, I'm going to keep moving here rather than pontificating. C- Cinema had been critical of the carried interest changes in the original Schumer-Mansion proposal and had told the majority leader that she would not support the bill unless the provisions were review- removed. She said she would not vote for the bill, quote-unquote, not even move to proceed unless we took it out. Close quotes. Schumer reported on August 5th, in quotes, we had no choice, right? So you have a bill, especially under the reconciliation process, uh, one senator can come up and say, I object. Okay. You know, uh, uh, um, and and it causes a big problem. So if you will not move to pro- proceed and it's a 50-50 split, uh, you, you need now it's 49-52 or 51 uh uh and you lose so they uh krista senator cinema got herself right in the middle like i say as the pivot point i'm not criticizing i'm not judging that's big league ball and the big players who saw uh issues with the uh carried interests came at her and um and she capitulated uh no five years it's only three year holding period and uh, so the thing moved over cinema Move forward, excuse me. Cinema also had expressed concerns recently that the proposed minimum tax on book income for certain large companies, an idea Democrats latched onto last year in the face of her opposition to the increasing statutory corporate tax rates, would have an oversized impact on the heavy users of accelerated depreciation, notably manufacturers, the very last people in the world that you want to hurt. Are people who are making real things, tangible products, manufacturing something, and they're good for her in that? Uh, 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 that is uh, the, that's the problem. The, the multivariable cut ca- calculations are you know are involved in these things, and the and, and the proposal goes out there, and Caterpillar tra- tra- tractor. I have no idea. I haven't talked to them. No reason I would. You know, I'm sure they have their five MBAs cracking the numbers and said, "Hey, look." Look, we we get this this bad result and uh, other smaller companies. And so she uh, took that into account uh, before they made the final provisions. All this is under what I call the sausage-making part of the bill. But it's interesting, and uh, uh, um, there we go. Okay, so the birdbath leaves the tax title intact. Again, more sausage-making significantly. All of the tax provisions survived what's informally known as the bird bath. The uh, Congressman Pelosi, uh, Speaker Pelosi, had referred to this in one of her speeches. She was highly criticized because nobody understood what she was talking about. But it's what's really sick. <laughs> I'm just uh, enjoying myself here. It's really sick because I knew exactly what she was talking about. And so while uh, a lot of conservatives and Republicans saying she can't even make a cogent sentence, I go, no, she knows exactly what she's talking about. Uh, as I'll read on here, the Birdbath—the uh, review process undertaken by the Senate Parliamentarian to determine whether or not each provision in the bill complies with the strict requirements of the Bird Rules, uh, Senator Bird from long ago, governing Senate uh, governing budget reconciliation legislation. The provisions that do not meet the Bird Rule requirements must be scrapped or modified to become compliant, unless the supporters can get 60 votes in the Senate in favor of a motion to waive the underlying point of order. Okay, so now we're getting into Robert's Rules of... But it's really important because, again, this thing passed 50-50 plus a tiebreaker from the vice president. And so if any provision under the burn rule would have made uh, a part of the bill subject to 60 votes, it all would have gone down in flames. And uh, while I don't agree with uh, Speaker Pelosi on a lot of issues, she actually did describe uh the problem uh pretty succinctly in a in a uh, press conference she was uh, uh highly accused of uh, not being able to put together a cogent sentence and it's one of these things where where you know it, it's it's like when you're you know in a business or a marriage right you start to speak in half sentences you, you're so familiar with your train of thought you don't have to say the whole sentence you just say blah blah oh yeah yeah i know that yeah well that's exactly what she did and the press corps there thought she had you know missed taking one of her pills or something <laughs> no no end of one i don't know if she takes any pills and two she was very cogent so there we go revenue impact as expected the modifications made to the bill changed its estimated revenue impact a very preliminary estimate released by the joint committee on taxation staff on august 6th again another group where they put out beautiful reports that are usually 300% wrong from what actually happened. So uh, I'm not impressed by the names of these committees. On August 6th indicates that the bill that Schumer and Manchin released on August 4th would have increased federal revenue by $73 billion between 2022 and 2031. However, further revision to the revenue score likely will be necessary to account for the last-minute change to the corporate minimum tax and the extension of the excess business loss rule, blah, 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 blah. And they'll still be 300% off. So, moving on. Uh, corporation Minimum Tax. The Inflation Reduction Act includes a book minimum tax, (AMT) a book minimum tax, similar to the originally proposed one in the Build Back Better legislation approved by the House last year that would impose a 15% minimum tax on the adjusted financial statement income. AFSI, right? These bills come through and I get 10 more acronyms I have to remember. AFSI, the Adjusted Financial Statement Income of applicable corporations over the corporate AMT foreign tax credit for the taxable year. Can you see the form building in your mind, right? We're probably up to 20 lines already, right? Listen, listen, the the affected corporations I know of, uh uh in things i listen to right the, the, again a staff of tax guys mbas tax lawyers they've already they've had the, they've been building their spreadsheets for months right oh oh the senator cinema changed this let's tweak this formula over here they know exactly based on their fact pattern what this new amt tax is going to cost them uh in additional taxes and they will i'm sure Again, I know nobody, (laughs) I'm just throwing out names, you know, but I'm sure the tax department in Amazon, who was the target of this minimum tax, uh, has has crunched this out six different ways. Now they are tweaking it for the final version. They're going to go to the chairman of the board and the board directors and say, well, this is what they did in Washington. It's going to cost us number out of the air. I have no idea if it's right. $50 billion in tax. And they'll say, okay. We're going to increase our prices X percent to make us whole for the $50 billion. So that's now that's my personal opinion. You talk about inflation reduction. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. We'll see. We'll see. But I I know for a fact that those spreadsheets are fired up and flaming hot, and they're being worked on, and the meetings are happening in all these boardrooms, and uh, I can't see why they wouldn't pass it through but I leave that uh, to the consumers, but I leave that to your uh, belief system in terms of politics there. Okay, so um, under the bill, an applicable corporation's minimum tax should be equal to the amount by which the tentative minimum tax exceeds the corporation's regular tax for the year increased by the corporation's BEAT, which is a, a very special tax with regard to uh, moving deductions offshore, from onshore, under Section 59A, for this purpose, an applicable federal corporation, generally, in any corporation other than an S-Corp or regulated investment company or a real estate investment trust with a three-year average annual FSI exceeds $1 billion. See, w- One of the problems is is they always have to write out the mechanism in English words, but nobody can listen to those English words and visualize the calculation. Nobody can do it. So you read all this, and then you have to wait for the form to come out, or again, some really smart people to sit and say, well, here's what we think it means. And then a very common there come technical corrections, because they finally lay out in a form or a mathematical computation that can be used in a computer. And they say, you know, this doesn't work. There's an error in the law. It happens all the time. And then they have to go back and pass a technical correction to say, well, the way the code section is written in English doesn't work in math. And so we need to change paragraph X, Y, Z happens all the time and not sometimes not for very small amounts for very big amounts. So we'll see what technical corrections come out of this. Although similar to other corporate AMT proposals, the Senate approved bill contains a few notable, notable modifications, including, and I'm not going to, this gets back in the subpart F and guilty and, uh, and very technical rules. Um, uh, it helps out with uh, depreciation rules and there's something under section 52 to help with, uh, excess business losses. I'm not going to bore you with all that way too technical for this format. Okay. Uh, The new minimum tax would be effective for taxable years beginning after December 31, 2022. Congratulations, yay, yay, they didn't make it retroactive, as we've seen a history of retroactive rules passed over the last 10 years, and it's just terrible that uh, uh, wait till the year ends, let's make it for an effective next year. The IRS can't even write the forms, so you don't have the forms, you don't know exactly how they're going to compute it, Uh, People have to read this stuff, learn it. The software companies all have to design forms and calculations, right? Don't make it retroactive. That's too, that's too burdensome. And they didn't. So thank you. All right. So listen up. Uh, Stock buybacks, stock buybacks. So here's one of the historical bits of information. If you're driving along down the highway, uh, trying to give you more than the cold, cruel tax law here. Uh, under Ronald Reagan, it, it used to be that stock buybacks were basically illegal. They were not allowed. You know, you, you couldn't, you know, other than some kind of redemption or a change in ownership, whatever. I mean, you, you, you couldn't just buy back your stock because you wanted to. Uh, why do people buy back their stock? Because the Wall Street investment bankers are telling them, well, buy back your stock will increase your stock price because there'll be less shares out there in the marketplace. Sometimes that works. I've seen in my own clients, sometimes it terribly did not work, did not work. But you, so you go into the market you say, I'm going to buy a million shares from current owners and generally they're happy to sell to you and you're buying back your stock. Well, that was illegal. Why? Because anyone with any economics or mathematical skills say you're manipulating the stock price, right? Let the stock trade in the free market. The company's worth what it's worth. You don't need a person with an endless... Uh, a checkbook to come into the marketplace and buy up a million shares, and it's complete conflict of interest, right? It's, who's buying it? It's the owners of the company. Well, all right. Well, uh, so in Ronald Reagan's term, they changed the rule, and they changed it because one of the calculation—I was deeply involved in this. One of the calculation problems that uh, that occurred was that as as stock options were granted to employees. There were more and more shares outstanding as those people vested in their shares over time and they own them. And so the company all of a sudden, well, we gave all these shares to employees. Now there's, you know, a third more shares out there in the world uh, for our stock uh, of our stock than there were before we gave all these employee options. Gee, can we make an adjustment and go into the marketplace and at least buy back the number of shares that we have granted not, not, not buying from the employees, but buying from the market so that overall our number of shares outstanding are the same. And and the, the Reagan administration and the SEC, yeah, that makes some sense. It's not abuse. You're not doing it directly to manipulate the market. So the answer is yes, you can do it. Well, this is one of the things. Then time changed and uh, different thoughts were applied to it. And now you can drive a truck through this thing. I mean, for having nothing to do with the employee stock option, yeah, the management has billions of dollars of cash in the bank, whatever, uh, and they uh, one one client. I you know this is long, long, long ago, but uh, 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 and they're not a client anymore, and I'm not mentioning any names, right? But they had several hundred million dollars of cash, and their board of directors and the Wall Street guys who are going to get a commission, right? They're going to get a commission. They say, oh, it's a wonderful idea. If you take some of your hard-earned cash. And buy back your own stock because your return on that investment will obviously be very large because you're a big successful company. And let's do it, and they did it. Well, didn't move the stock price at all, and they they were not uh, successful going forward. And the cash was now gone. So the whole premise of the thing, uh, I have a problem with. But uh, uh, going to something more factual is that uh, you know it's something like eight hundred billion or $900 billion a year of stock that's bought out of the stock market every year is stock buyback. So again, you're having a a party come into the marketplace with a big checkbook, buying back a stock that they are managing the company. It's clear conflict of interest, and that's why it was illegal for many, many, many decades. And so now it's a big deal. I mean, I've mean, if i seen these calculations. If you took stock buybacks out of the way the markets work, uh, stock prices would be much, much lower. And I would argue, uh, and that's probably right. They should be lower because you're manipulating. They're exactly the reason this, this thing was illegal for so long. Well, many people, this is, you know, Ron Cohen's nobody, right? So many people have thought about this and said, what can we do about it? And here's a provision. The the measure would add a new Internal Revenue Code, Section 4501, to provide that a covered corporation is subject to a tax equal to 1% of the fair market value of any stock the corporation that is repurchased by the corporation during any taxable year subject to certain exceptions. A covered corporation means a domestic corporation, the stock of which is traded on an established securities market for purposes of calculating the tax, The fair market value of the repurchased stock is reduced by the fair market value of any stock issued by the covered corporation during the tax year, including stock issued or provided to employees or the covered corporation and employees and special affiliates. Purchases of covered corporation stock by specified affiliates would be treated as repurchases by the covered corporation. The tax would also apply to repurchases of certain stock. Now, foreign corporations, new Section 4501 would apply to repurchases of stock made after December 31, 2022. Yay, it's not retroactive. Uh, this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. So, I, I, I again, from a policy standpoint, I believe it's wrong, but nobody should listen to me. I don't believe there should be any stock buyback except to what uh, Reagan, President Reagan, admit, uh, uh, originally intended which was to uh, take out of the market the number of shares that have been issued to employees uh, rather than being a manipulative uh, um, action. But at least they want to put a 1% 1%, uh, excise tax. Now, that could be, oh, 1%, no big deal. Well, these are big, big, big transactions. That could be a very big deal uh, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, in terms of... uh, uh, Money to the treasury and money coming out of the hands of the corporation. So, uh, yes, good attack buybacks. I think they're exploited. Uh, 1%. Okay. Well, that says I would rather they say under these circumstances, you just can't do it rather than tax it. Don't like when you tax things, right? That's taking money out of that's picking winning winners and losers. That's taking money out of one person's hand, putting it in the government's hand. Uh, without getting into a long political speech, uh, the government is largely a black hole, so any money you give to it just disappears of, with little uh, economic benefit into the future. I know other people disagree with me wholeheartedly on that, but there you go. Okay, so the IRS boosts uh, funding is being boosted to improve taxpayer compliance. This is a very heated, controversial issue, so I'm going to just read this straight. Uh, the bill would provide the Internal Revenue Service uh, 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 approximately $80 billion over 10 years. $80 billion over 10 years, about $8 billion a year. But it doesn't say that maybe they, they spend 50% of it in the first year. It's not sure. Primarily to enhance tax enforcement and compliance efforts. According to Schumer and Manchin, who cited estimates from the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, the more robust compliance and enforcement regime would be made possible by the funding boost would generate an additional $203 billion of tax revenue that is owed to the government, but not paid. Again, I warn everybody, (laughs) they have no idea if that number's right. And it's usually wrong and it's usually wrong in the wrong direction. That is, they say, oh, we'll raise 203 billion because somebody with an Excel spreadsheet thinks they can understand the hundreds of thousands of people and in fact patterns out there. And gee, if only an IRS auditor could show up, they'd collect all this money. Yes, people do cheat. Terrible things are out there. But uh, whether it's $203 billion or it's $10 billion or it's $20 billion or it's $400 billion, they, they, they should be more honest and say, you know, this is really a swag, a, a wild guess. Uh, but they're counting it as anticipated revenue. And uh uh that's 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 uh interesting. Okay. So then here's how the additional funding in the legislation would be allocated along the services for program areas. Three point two billion to taxpayer services. Well, I certainly agree with that because you call the IRS and nine times out of ten you can't get through, even if you wait for two hours. So uh they certainly have to do something there. Forty five point six billion for tax enforcement activities. Somebody's gone through an audit or uh, filed returns and not paid. Uh, Enforcement activities are generally related to things that have already been worked through. There's no controversy. Just go get the money, and they don't even have the time to get the money. Not always, but generally. That's uh, what enforcement action. $25.3 billion for operation support. All kinds of uh, administrative costs, right? $4.8 billion for business system modernization. Oh, yes, yes, well, i am got to agree with that, right? You call your credit card company, and you can pretty much know exactly what happened. You know, if it was more than one day ago, it's all recorded. You'd call the IRS. They're sometimes six months, a year behind in getting things recorded on their uh, accounting system. And then the reports you get from them are just completely unreadable and in terrible English. And it's very, very, so So that I can't complain. The le- legislature expressly states that additional funds are not to be used to increase taxes on taxpayers with taxable income below 400000 although it is just a statement of intent and not binding on the service's use of the money. So somebody wanted to virtue signal and uh, put in the bill, say, we're, we're going after the rich guys, of course, but it's not binding. And it shouldn't be binding because uh, people on the low-end cheat, people on the high-end cheat, right? If cheat, uh, they should go after you, right? So uh, uh, I don't understand why that's in the bill, but that's just my opinion. These appropriate funds remain available until September 30th, 2031. If the proposal is enacted, the IRS would be required to provide certain reports and updates and so forth. Okay, they're going to Deliver reports to Congress to show them how they're using the money. Okay, that's all good. All right, and uh, there's that. So there's some uh, Superfund excise tax in the bill. Superfund financing rate on crude oil and imported petroleum products. Index to inflation effective after uh, January 31, 2023. These are to raise funds to pay for uh, areas that are totally polluted, you know, uh, uh, there's there's oil in the ground, hazardous wastes, and so they're constantly trying to fund those uh, those the, the, those packages, those programs because uh, they keep finding new places that need a trillion, you know, billion dollars spent to bring it back to normal ground where somebody could. You know, either grow a forest or uh, build a factory because the land is so polluted it needs work. Okay, extension of the Black Lung Disability Trust Fund Uh, for coal miners. That's very important. Excise tax on certain pharmaceutical manufacturers. This one I don't like at all. The bill includes a provision providing, broadly speaking, that would require pharmaceutical manufacturers to negotiate with the federal government to determine maximum prices for certain selected prescription drugs, insulin products, offered under Medicare. Pharmaceutical manufacturers that do not participate in the mandatory price-setting program would be subject to a new manufacturer's excise tax that would apply to all sales by the manufacturer, producer, or importer of these products that are subject to the negotiated price cap. The tax rate initially would be set at 65% and would increase incrementally up to 95% for taxpayers that fail to meet the compliance benchmarks that are laid out in the bill. Okay, complete administrative state technocracy uh, uh, type of thing here. uh, 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 If you don't negotiate with me, because first you're guilty, you're overpriced. Well, maybe, maybe not. Who's to say, right? Uh, Sometimes, yes, no question. There have been some terrible, terrible cases where, you know, the price of a drug has been increased a thousand times from what it was even 10 years ago. Okay, all right. But um, to put in a bill, if you don't sit down and bargain with me to reduce your prices and your profits, I'm going to hit you with an excise tax based on certain compliance benchmarks laid out in the bill. Uh, that's, that's you know, that's almost un-American, man. I mean, you you, you know, wh- who, what are these benchmarks? Uh, sorry, I didn't go and read them. I mean, who's the judge, right? Who's the one who says, oh, yes, yeah, uh, you, you didn't. So, so it, you create this whole, it, it's all, a, it's like a perjury trap, right? I mean, if you say or do anything I don't like, I get to assess you a tax because you must be guilty. No, that's not the way it works, right? You set up a rule. If Somebody's violating a room, you take them to court, you follow the due process rules, rules of evidence, whatever, and you have a judge say, You know, you violated the rich rule, here's your penalty. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, excise taxes, uh, many I'll, I'll skip quickly to say, many wars in many countries have been over tariffs and uh, and excise taxes. And I hate to see uh, more, I, I certainly many drugs are overpriced, but you. Very few things should be solved through the tax system, and that's what they're trying to do. We're not going. If you don't negotiate with me, I get to impose an income tax. Well, who's the pencil-neck bureaucrat who gets to decide that they didn't negotiate with them? You know, I. Uh, 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 that said, I think big pharma do some very terrible things. So, so something needs to be done. But the tax system is almost never the way to get justice clean energy tax incentives. There are a number of uh, tax and non-tax things that Senator Schumer mentioned uh, put in, and they're supposed to reduce the emissions in the U.S. by 40% by the year 2030. I hope, I hope they're right. Uh, uh, who measures it? Why is it 40%? How did you get there? And I will uh, repeat uh, what I mentioned the other night. Uh, ben Shapiro, I think in one of his podcasts, made a very good point that we've spent 30, 40 years spending hundreds of billions of dollars incentivizing solar energy, rooftop solar, big solar fields out in the middle of nowhere, all kinds of solar. And so far, solar has penetrated the market to make up 3% of the power generated, 3%. Not only is it 3%, it's unreliable 3%, right? One day the sun's shining, the next day the sun's not shining, right? There's, There's all that then. These panels they burn out in twenty or thirty years. The inverters that are related to them burn out; have to replace them every seven or eight years. The uh, the solar panels have a whole lot of heavy metals, so when you dispose of a solar panel, you have a disposal problem, a significant. So my point is that well, how does this work out? You put in all this money, and you uh, are, are a lot of these are being made in Korea and. China, uh, so whether that's a good thing or, or bad is another question. Um, you're trying to get the manufacturing in the U.S. W- will you get the four and five and six percent, or are you just throwing billions and billions of dollars at something that will still not make up a whole bunch of our our, our power use? Again, I'm a little bit far field of tax politics, but there you go. Reducing consumer energy costs. The bill would extend a number of tax credits aimed at bringing down the cost of residential energy efficiency improvements such as heat pumps, rooftop solar panels, and uh, electric HVAC systems and water heaters. Now, I'll tell you my little story. I said, yeah, a heat pump, that's pretty cool. You know, the, the Earth has a bunch of heat in the ground on cold days. There's tons of heat in the ground. You just bring it up uh, through a, a system of piping and so forth. So I called and I checked into it. In the state of New York, you can go and spend like $20,000 and get this heat pump system put in and you're set for the life of the house. You're done and you'll never uh, you know spend any gas, maybe a little bit to keep the thing going, but but uh, largely your house will be heating heated from the heat embedded in the earth. Wonderful idea. I'm all for it. Call up here in California, I called two or three different places. And they say, nope, can't do it. Can't do it in Fremont, California. Uh, not, no, I, well, what if I paid 50000 Nope, can't do it. You'll never get the permits to do the drilling of the pipes into the ground to uh, put in the heat pump. Can't do it. So here I am in California, uh, the greenest of the green place, and something that uh, is, uh, makes a lot of sense, uh, is able to be done in other states, cannot be done uh, basically because when you drill the holes in the ground, they say, well, some bad things may come out of the earth when you drill those holes for your heat pump. Yeah, 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 but the house will be set for, for, for life. For I mean, many lives. Uh, 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 so isn't isn't that worth, uh, as opposed to hypothetical? You know, there's something that was on this ground 50 years ago that may be pumped out and pumped into the sewer system. Uh, uh, doing this this uh, short term, you know, excavation. Nope, can't do it. So, again, pontificating a little bit, but I think the reality, same, I also have, uh, there's in this bill issues about um, biofuels. Biofuels don't work. They don't work. They are never worth the effort, uh, the time and money, transportation costs, conversion costs. They do damage to, uh, to the vehicles and the engines. Uh, bio, biofuels don't work, and I hate to see them sending more tax credit Benefits uh, to try to generate more biofuels. The measures also call for a $4,000 credit to make it more affordable for certain low and middle income individuals to purchase used clean air vehicles. A credit of up to $7,500 would be available for new clean energy. Excuse me. A credit up to $7,500 would be available for new purchases of clean energy vehicles. Senator Manchin had contended that the similar incentives in the earlier iteration of the Build Back Better legislation were focused on uh, more expensive vehicles and that were intended to appeal primarily to wealthy taxpayers. I also want to note that a news report came out that uh, I believe it was Ford or GM. I'm sorry, I don't have the exact site. They already announced that the price of their electric vehicles just went up $8,500. I believe it was one of their pickups. They said it's because Of additional supply chain cost increases, Uh, but uh, one can at least speculate that they saw the credit in the tax bill and said, "Well, you know that that's for us. That's not for the buyer." Uh, But I don't want to be that rash. Uh, There there are many, many supply chain and cost issues, uh, even just with semiconductors uh, for automobiles. So the Ford or GM or whoever did it may have completely rational, reasonable, acceptable reasons for increasing their prices. Promoting American energy security and domestic manufacturing. The measure will include tax and non-tax provisions intended to improve the reliability of the U.S. energy grid and promote domestic clean energy manufacturing. Lots of details. Lots of details. Some things for farmers. Some things to decarbonize the economy. Uh, And... uh, uh, promoting environmental justice to support the goal of expanding environmental justice. Many of the clean energy tax credits and the bills are either a bonus rate or set aside for investment in economically distressed communities. And there you go. Well, who gets to decide what community is economically distressed? Uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. All right, now let me talk about the uh, research credit against payroll tax for small businesses. This is getting better uh, uh, than it's been. It used to be the problem was you have a lot of R and D credits, 20% of wages and supplies spent on research and development very very difficult calculation you have to work through and uh, you'd have this R D credit. Well, the company's a startup company and it's going to have losses for years and years, you don't get that cash because it's the credit's waiting for you to use, but you can't get the cash. Well. Uh, about five years ago, they put in a rule that says, well, if you have an RD credit on your corporate income tax return, you can use that as a credit on your payroll tax return and right away get an increase in cash because you'll owe less payroll taxes. So, a qualified small business may elect to, under the current law, Section 41H, to apply up to 250000 of its research credit computed under Section 41 against. The employer portion, not the employee portion, the employer portion of its FICA, which is Social Security uh, tax liability, up uh, for the up to five years. Uh, You have to have uh, gross receipts of less than five million for the current year, Uh, and there's some other requirements. The legislation would increase the amount of the research credit that can be applied to payroll tax liability from two hundred fifty thousand dollars to five hundred thousand for the years beginning after December 31, 2022. Again, good, not retroactive. Okay, additionally, the legislation provides that the first 250000 of credit limitation will be applied against the FICA payroll tax li- liability, and that the second 250000 of limitation will be applied against the employer's portion of the Medicare payroll tax liability imposed under Section 3, blah, blah, blah. So, yes, I mean, uh, you have a startup company, you're spending a lot of money, you're paying a lot of salaries, you have R&D credits, but you have tax losses, so you can't use your R&D credits, and here's a, an exit ramp. You can go and take uh, those R&D credits against your currently paid payroll taxes. You know, you got to file payroll taxes every every 30 days. Sometimes for big companies, they got to pay in the payroll taxes within three days uh, of the payday. So uh, this can get exciting really fast and be very helpful, so I I point that out. All right, they made some uh, changes to the affordable care tax. Again, a very hard, difficult issue uh, where people get stung by this credit that they're afforded reducing their uh, affordable care premiums and then find out later their income was higher than they thought it would be, and then the credit gets taken away, and then they owe that amount of credit it was taken away on their income tax return, and it can be a very terrible situation. So they're trying to make it so that more people more people can get the credit, reducing their insurance premiums, uh, even at higher levels of income. Which, uh, if you're going to offer uh, the Affordable Care Act premiums, that's that's good. Uh, avoids this trap that a number of people fell into, uh, uh, often without their own their knowledge. About. Okay, there's some more things for farmers. Uh, Always look, if you're a farmer, farmers always get some special deals in every tax bill. And that is an overview of the Inflation Reduction Act. Very sorry for the uh, long thing, but uh, again, tax legislation of this size doesn't generally go through very often. So it certainly uh, would be good for you to take a read of it and make sure uh, you understand how it might affect you. You can call us. uh, We're happy to help. Uh, coming up here, um, well, we're getting into the end of the tax season for corporations and so forth. S-corporations are due uh, September 15th. C-corporations are due October 15th. These are on extension, on valid extension. That means you not only filed the extension, but you paid in enough tax back on the original due date to have a valid extension. Uh, to Partnerships are due uh, 9-15. Trusts are due September 30th individuals uh, their final due date an extension is october 15th unless you live outside the country and again it gets complicated don't rely just on what i'm saying you have to file the proper extension in april or june and you have to write a letter to the irs you can get out till december 15th in various circumstances if you live consistently outside the country for everybody else the last final due date is October 15th. I might be off by a few days if the 15th is on a weekend Then it's the next business day. And there you go. Well, all right. So I've, I've said enough. Again, I'm Ron Cohen, tax partner at Greenstein, Rogoff, Holson & Company. This is a review of the Inflation Reduction Tax Act. Uh, we're happy to help. If you have any questions, give us a call. Uh, our uh, website's in the show notes and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye now.